appreciate that. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. I've been gone for a while. Ryland and I uh, were gone for three weeks on a mission trip. Uh, we left on uh, October the 1st. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Tommy and Pastor Don, Pastor Andrew for preaching while I was gone. Uh, I got to hear their sermons online. And uh, I think they did a great job. And it's just wonderful to have guys like that on staff who can pick up the ball and carry it uh, so we can do this stuff around the world. But Ryland and I took off. We left for uh, Lucknow, India, Varanasi, India, Manila, and Malaybalai City in the Philippines. And our goal was to do pastors and worship leader conferences uh, in uh, those four cities. And in Lucknow, we did a pastor's conference for about 45 city pastors. Uh, This was an introductory conference, never done it for these guys before, and actually presented to them the idea of doing a three-year training program for them, uh, where I'll go back every six months and take them through the purpose-driven church material. And they were really excited about this, and we've got a, a good group from them. And uh, these are pastors in the urban center of Lucknow. Lucknow is the state capital of the state of Uttar Pradesh. Uh, They're very influential in their communities. And we even had one of the Christian legislators, one of the few Christians in the legislature, state capital is just down the street from where we did the conference. And he stopped by for a few minutes just to get his stamp of approval on, uh, on what we were doing. And folks, that was huge. And that speaks to the credibility and the influence of Pastor Alok, who was here a few weeks ago. Uh, he has, uh, he's a great man of God and really has a great thing going, and, uh, and the Christian community there is recognizing that. Uh, also, while we were in Lucknow, we uh, started a new group of village pastors. I did a two-day conference for them, and uh, these are guys who come in from the rural areas all over Uttar Pradesh. They come by bus, train, bicycle. Uh, they stay there at the church where we uh, do the training, sleep on a concrete floor with a blanket, uh, for three nights, and uh, it just their willingness to sacrifice and their hunger for this training uh, is just really um, humbling. Uh, I had a couple of graduates show up who, that I had completed uh, the training with, and they were excited about what uh, the material has done for them and for their churches, and so uh, good things are happening there as we're doing this training in Lucknow. Uh, we also visited the Blue Haven Children's Home. Uh, in Lucknow, uh, Pastor Alok's wife, Ricky, uh, grew up in a children's home, and she's established her own home, has about 32 uh, boys and girls who live in this home. And we took a suitcase of supplies uh, over to them, and uh, the house parents were thrilled to get all the supplies. And this time, I also took a stack of DVDs. You see the DVDs there? Because uh, I wanted the, the kids to like me. And... Um, because it's not just about brushing your teeth, it's about movie night. And uh, so they were thrilled with the movies, and we had a good time for them. They sang for us, and Ryland played the guitar, and we had a great time there. And then we took an overnight train uh, to Varanasi, and I did my third conference uh, for the pastors there. Uh, actually, it was uh, the third conference of the trip, but the third conference for them in this series. And this was a conference on small groups. Uh, they took notes, I mean, these guys were... Uh, students, They were writing, feverishly taking notes, because they all have the assignment of teaching this material to the pastors in their districts and zones uh, that they're over. So they not only have to learn it, but they have to be prepared to teach uh, the material. So uh, you may wonder how we get around over there. That's uh, our primary mode of training. Now you see why I took Ryland. And... Um, but after 10 days in India, we flew on uh, to Manila, and we connected there with Jeff Long at Kids International Ministries, and also with Dave Clinton uh, from First Love International that we support there. We got to visit the village 
uh, children's home. That's the children's home that our guys went over. And they put the green part of that roof, came from Rock Brook, and a church in Colorado put that uh, roof on there. And they've done some more work on the interior of the building. Dave asked that we ask you to pray that they'll be able to uh, finalize the deal, the plans of the architect and the permit guys, because they're, they're about to the point where they've done everything they can do without the architect's plans and the permits. And the wheels grind slowly over there in that kind of a process. So be praying for them. Uh, Ryland did a concert for uh, the kids in the Quattro community, the slum area where Jeff Long works, and actually a bunch of folks from Dave Clinton's uh, area in Tonza, which is uh, several miles away. Uh, they uh, filled up a jeepney. A jeepney is about the size of a 15-passenger van. And they filled up a jeepney with 40 people and over 40 people and brought them over to that concert. And they were crammed in there so much they couldn't even get out. We just had them stay in there. Walking. No, no, no. They piled out of there and came up with a concert. And then it was hilarious. We got to watch them all pile back in and uh, to go back home. But uh, Ryland did a great job with the concert, and they had a, had a great time. Uh, I did a conference for pastors uh, there. Uh, we talked about ministry and shape um, one day, and then Ryland talked about worship and did a conference for pastors and their worship leaders and uh, actually gave him some lead sheets for some of his songs, gave him CDs uh, with some of his songs on it. So they're going to be praising God in the Philippines with uh, some rockbook music. So we're excited about that. Uh, we flew down to Malibali and did a pastor's conference there, and Ryland did a worship conference and a concert that night there as well. Uh, we got to see Mark and Ellie Hines, and Mark and Ellie are doing great. And uh, yeah, here they are with uh, Pastor Larry and his wife, Belen, in front of uh, the church that they go to, where Larry's the pastor. Belen works at the children's home, and it's just up the hill and kind of around behind the church there. But uh, things are going great on the mission field. And I just want to thank you as a church for your support of these endeavors. We are making a significant difference. Uh, great things are happening in India. Thousands of people are coming uh, to faith in Christ. And, um, and you're playing a part in that. And we thank you for that. Uh, you, many of you had given to our India Pastors Project, where we're giving the Purpose Driven Life, the Purpose Driven Church, and a shoulder bag to the pastors. That will actually happen at their big conference the 1st of December. And uh, so plans are coming together for that. I actually talked to the, the publisher of the book. Uh, one of the books is out. The other one is supposed to be out. We're trying to see if we can get it out in time for that conference. If not, we may have to deliver it to the pastors in February when it comes out. But you're making a big difference in the lives of people over there. And Pastor Alok and Jeff Long and Dave Clinton and Mark and Ellie uh, just over and over and over again uh, sang the praises of Rockbrook and what God is doing through you and your faithful support. Uh, both through the church and individually to these ministries. Um, and you're doing a good thing. And uh, it's, it's tremendously appreciated. So uh, keep it up. So today, we want to close out our 40 Days in the Word sermon series. And I want to talk to you about how to integrate God's Word into your life. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples. If you continue, not if you do it for 40 days and then stop, just know if you continue in my word. And, and so this week, I want to look at how do you continue in the word? How do you integrate God's word into every area of your life? Well, first of all, it's not going to happen if you don't have the desire. If you don't have a desire to become a man or woman of the word, then honestly, it's not going to happen. Because it starts with a desire. Uh, Psalm 119.20 says, What I want most of all. In other words, the number one thing in my life that I want. And I want it at all times. 
That means it's integrated into every area of my life, is to honor your laws. David says, I want to be a man of the word. Whatever I'm doing, whether it's at work or at home or with my kids or tailgating or whatever I'm doing, I want to be a man of the word. It begins with that kind of a desire. Now, how do we integrate God's Word into our life? Well, there are six very simple steps, and they actually flow out of the six memory verses that you've been learning during this series. You know, those six verses were picked intentionally in order to help you to integrate God's Word into your life. So how do I do it? Number one, I build on it. I make the Bible the foundation of my life. Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, you can either build your life on the rock of God's Word or you can build your life on the sand of popular opinion. Uh, Jesus says, It's up to you. But if you're going to build your life on the sand of popular opinion, it's going to go splat. But if you build it on the, the foundation, the solid rock of God's Word, then you'll stand firm. Now, there's four common foundations that people will mistakenly build their life on. And I want to quickly look at those. Uh, the first one is popular culture. And the problem with that is, is whatever is popular today is going to be unpopular tomorrow. Whatever is in style today is going to be out of style tomorrow. Whatever is cool today is going to be uncool tomorrow. It is a constantly changing foundation. God tells us in Exodus 23, 2, he says, Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong, because the crowd is often doing things the wrong way. Don't build your life on the shifting sand of popular culture, because it won't stand. Second uh, shaky foundation is the foundation of tradition. My parents did it this way. My grandparents did it this way. My great-grandparents did it this way. So I'm going to do it this way. Now, tradition isn't necessarily bad. In fact, something becomes a tradition because it worked at some point in time. But tradition is different than truth. Truth never changes. But traditions can become outdated and ineffective. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 7, 8, he said this to a group of religious leaders. He said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He says, you're holding on to the traditions of men that aren't even in the Bible. And Jesus says, don't put tradition ahead of truth because tradition is a weak foundation. Third thing you don't want to build your life on is simply reason. Now, Reason is reasonable. In fact, God gave us the ability to reason, and He wants us to use our ability to reason. But just because you think something is reasonable doesn't make it right. You know, the idea of, I've always thought. Well, it doesn't matter what you've always thought. What matters is, what does the Word of God say is the right thing to do? Because, you know, what you've always thought can end up being a mistake. The Proverbs 16.25 warns us, it says, There is a way that seems right to man. It seems like the right and reasonable thing to do. But in the end, it's a dead end. In the end, it leads to death. You know, how many times have you made a decision that you thought was reasonable? 
You, you make a decision to marry this person, to buy this car, to take this job, to buy this house, to move to this location. You make a decision that you think is reasonable. And then it turns out to be a disaster. You know, our, our reason is not infallible. Fourth one, and, and this is a very important one to avoid, and that's building your life on the foundation of your emotion. You know, some people build their life on their feelings. If they feel like it's the right thing to do, they do it. If they don't feel like doing it, they don't do it. I do whatever I feel like doing. But the problem is your feelings lie to you all the time. Your feelings are highly unreliable. And if you live your life on the basis of your feelings, you are going to be manipulated by your moods. And most of what gets done in the world gets done by people who don't feel like doing it. They don't do it because they feel like doing it. They do it because they know it's the right thing to do. But if you live your life according to your feelings, you're going to stay in bed most of the week. You're going to make bad choices because your emotions create a shaky foundation. A great example of this culturally in the Bible in Judges 21 says at that time there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they felt like doing. People did whatever they felt like doing. And it created chaos and confusion and conflict in that culture. You know, if you want to avoid chaos and disorder in your life, you want to build your life on God's Word, not just on how you feel. So you've got to build on the foundation of God's Word. The seventh thing you have to do is you have to feed on God's Word. The Bible describes itself as the spiritual water, milk, bread, honey, meat that you need for spiritual sustenance. But you have to feed. You have to eat something. Because just like you need physical food for physical strength, you need spiritual food for spiritual strength. If you're a construction contractor, would you send a guy out on your crew who hadn't eaten for a week? If you're a military commander, would you send a guy out on the battlefield who hadn't eaten anything for a month? No, of course not. But the Bible says that we're all involved in construction. We are all building our lives. The Bible says that we are all spiritual soldiers in a spiritual battle. And yet how many times do we go out on the job site? How many times do we go out into the battlefield and we haven't eaten anything? We're spiritually starving. We need to feed ourselves on the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It says, Let it dwell. Let it inhabit. Let it take up life. Let it live in you richly, profoundly, deeply. And so we need to feed ourselves on God's Word. Now, how do we feed ourselves on God's Word? Real quickly, five ways here that you can feed yourself. One is, I receive it with my ears. The Bible says, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Now, how do I hear the Word of God? Well, you're doing that right now. You've made a commitment to come to church. You're hearing the Word of God preached. Uh, you know, we're, we're reading it together. We're, we're saying it off the screen. We are hearing the Word. Now, there are other ways that you can hear the Word. You can read it out loud to yourself. I'd highly encourage you to do that. You can read it out loud to your kids or your family. And you can listen to it uh, in, in your car. You know, I've got an app. I can listen to the Bible on my phone. Uh, I was struck when I was doing a conference in Malibuai, out there in the jungle in the Philippines. Got about 35 pastors sitting around out there. I said, turn in your Bibles. And like three guys picked up Bibles. The other 32 guys turned on their phones. Because they get the Bible on their phone. 
Uh, you know, and, and you can play it and you can hear it. So you want to be hearing the Word of God. And you need to be hearing it often because the statistics tell us that you forget 95% of what you hear within 72 hours. That's why you need to be hearing the Word of God over and over and over. But it's not just enough to hear it because it'll go in one ear and out the other. Second thing you need to do is I need to read it with my eyes. I mean, why do you think God gave us His Word in book form? Is it so we can set it on a shelf or lay it out on a coffee table? No, He gave it to us so we can read it with our eyes. But there's a weakness in that, too. Because just as it can come in one ear and go out the other, the Word can come in one eye and go out the other eye. I mean, you know that. You, you've had that happen. You're reading the Bible. You're reading along at a pretty good clip. And all of a sudden, you realize that you have not been paying attention to what you've been reading. That ever happened to you? And you know, that'll happen to me. And then I think, okay, I need to go back to where I last remember paying attention. And so I uh, begin to go back to where I last remember what I was reading. Okay? But you need to see it through the eye gate, just as you uh, get it through the ear gate. Now, the other thing you need to do, the way you feed yourself, is I research it with my hands and with my mouth. The difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is when you are studying the Bible, you've got a pencil and a piece of paper, and you are writing down what you're observing. You're writing down the questions that you want to research, the things you want to pursue. You're writing down what God is saying to you out of your word out of His Word. And, and so you read it and write it down with your hands. And then the other thing you do is you speak it with your mouth. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. You know, if you can't write it down in a concise sentence or paragraph, you haven't really processed it yourself. If you can't say it in a coherent sentence or in a coherent conversation with someone, you really don't understand it yet yourself. So you've got to research it with your hands and with your mouth. Now, the fourth way I feed myself in God's Word is I reflect on His Word. And that's what we've been teaching you through this 40 Days in the Word series. We've been teaching you six different ways to reflect, to meditate on God's Word. Ways to think about it, chew on it, dwell on it, let it dwell in you richly. Now, the fifth way I feed myself is I remember it with my heart. And remembering with your, with your heart is memorizing Scripture. You know, if you know something by heart, what's that mean? It means you've memorized it. So I receive the Word with my ears. But if I do that, that's like taking a tea bag and dipping it one time in water. If you take a tea bag and dip it one time in, into a cup of water, what happens? Nothing. In fact, it probably won't even get the tea bag wet. Okay? You can't just dip into the Word one time. Uh, you've got to continue in the Word. I don't just hear it. I read it with my eyes. I research it with my hand and my mouth. And, I, you know, and when I do that, when I reflect on it, when I take it into my heart and memorize Scripture, something begins to happen. Just like something starts to happen when I let that tea bag soak and steep in that water. You know, when I leave the tea bag in the water, the water begins to absorb the color, the flavor, the aroma, the character of the tea. 
And that's what it's like to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. When I do that, my life begins to absorb the color, the flavor, the aroma, the character of God's Word. It begins to change my life. And that leads us to the third thing that you need to do if you're going to integrate God's Word into your life. You've got to live by the Word of God. See, the Bible is not only food for your soul. The Bible needs to become the standard by which you live. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one, blessed is the man, the woman, who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the Word of God. Now, what's the counsel of the ungodly? Well, that's all the information that is coming to us from the world. It's television and movies and music and magazines. Just that barrage of information that is coming at us from the world. The Bible says you don't want to build your life on that kind of of counsel. If you want your life to be blessed, you've got to build your life on the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that gives you hope in a crisis. It's the Word of God that gives you comfort in a season of pain. It's the Word of God that gives you clarity when you're confused. And it's the Word of God that helps you to resist temptation. That's Psalm 119.11. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. That's the purpose of hiding the word in your, in your heart. So you won't sin against God. Remember in Matthew 4, when Jesus was tempted by the devil? You know, one of the methods that we learned in this series is how to picture it. And, and I love to picture Bible stories. And this is one of the ones that I love to picture. I mean, I just picture that wilderness there in Judea, and there are, is Jesus and the devil. And you just think, Jesus and the devil. I mean, it is the spiritual battle of the ages. And, and, you, and you just picture it in your mind, and you think, man, this is going to be a mono, a mono, macho uh, fight, spiritual battle. I mean, these guys are going to be doing... Uh, karate and kung fu and big roundhouse kicks with slow motion and sound effects, and they're going to have fire shooting out of their eyes and swords clashing, and this is going to be a big spiritual battle. It's not what happens at all. It's not what happens at all. Three times the devil tempts Jesus Christ to sin. And what does Christ do? All three times he says, it is written, and then quotes a Bible verse. When you read that, and I read that, I think, is that all he's going to do? You know what? That's all he needed to do. In fact, that was the best defense that he had. And it's the best defense that you have when you are tempted. You've got to hide God's Word in your heart so that you can resist temptation. When you're tempted, you may not have a Bible handy to flip through and look up verses to say. God can't bring it to your mind if you haven't placed it in there in the first place. That's why it's important for us to memorize the Word of God. Now, I want to bring us back to that picture of the tea one more time, to just uh, imagine that, that tea bag in that, in that cup of water. And what happens as that tea soaks in, in that water? Well, what happens is, is it changes the identity of the water. We no longer even refer to it as a cup of water. It has now become a cup of tea. 
as it's absorbed the flavor, the aroma, the color, the character of the tea, it has changed the identity of the water. The same thing happens to you. As you uh, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you let it begin to change you, it changes your character, it changes your identity, and you become the man of the Word, the woman of the Word that God wants you to be. That's how powerful this stuff is. Fourth thing I need to do if I'm going to integrate God's Word into my life, and that is I must grow through it. Uh, the Bible refers to itself as a seed that's planted in your heart. And if the seed finds good soil, it puts down roots and it bears fruit. Okay? But no root, no fruit. Hey, say that with me. No root, no fruit. And it's crucial to remember that. God wants you to be fruitful in your life. And in order to bear fruit, you have to have an open and receptive heart to the Word of God. You know, our memory verse, Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Well, how do I see wonderful things in God's law? How do I see wonderful things in the Word? It's when my eyes have been opened to what is there. I've got to be open and receptive to the Word of God. And Jesus told one whole story uh, about this process. It's called the parable of the soils. And he talks about a farmer who goes out and sows seed, and the seed lands on four different types of soil. It lands on the hardened path, it lands in rocky soil that's very shallow, it lands in soil that has weeds in it, and it lands in good, rich, prepared soil. Now, the seed is the Word of God, and it falls on these different kinds of soil, and it has different results. Now, I used to think that that was four different types of people. And that you could look and you could say, well, there's somebody who, who's a hardened person, and there's somebody who's a weedy person, and there's somebody who's a shallow person, and there's somebody who's a good person. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that each one of us can have all four of those responses to God's Word. In fact, I, I've, I've experienced, I've had all four of those responses in one day to different uh, input from God's Word in my life. You know, I can respond to God's Word with, uh, like, hardened soil. The hardened soil represents a closed mind. It's like the footpath. It's narrow and it's hard. I can be narrow-minded and hard-hearted in response to God's Word. I mean, I don't want to hear what God has to say about my girlfriend. I like my girlfriend. I don't want to hear what God has to say to her. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm just illustrating this, okay? I just thought of that. Uh, you, you know, I don't want to hear what God has to say about my debt. I don't want to hear what God has to say about sex. I don't want to hear of what God has to say about marriage and divorce. I mean, I don't want to do what I want to do. My mind is made up. This is what I'm going to do. Don't confuse me with the truth of God's Word. I'm not open to God's Word. Well, what do I do when that's the case? I must cultivate an open mind. I've got to break up that hard-packed soil in my heart and life so I can receive the Word of God. Now, the second kind of response that I can have is the response of the shallow soil. And that represents a superficial mind. Sometimes we react superficially to the Bible. I'll hear a sermon, or I'll hear, uh, read a Bible verse, or even hear a Christian song, and I'll react emotionally, but I don't let it sink into the bedrock of my personality. Uh, you know, I don't let it, uh, I just treat it superficially. Folks, I don't want to be superficial. Uh, I don't think you want to be superficial either. I mean, I don't want to be shallow. I want to be a person of depth. 
size, I want to be a person of depth. Uh, how do I do that? How, how do I develop depth in my life so I can get roots in my life? Well, I must take time for God's Word. I can't live life on the superficial level. I can't just look at the Word and take a quick little glance. That's like dipping the tea bag in at one time. I can't do that. I've got to make time for God's Word in my life so I can put down spiritual roots. Because no root, no fruit. That's right. So I must take time for God's Word. I can't live shallow or superficial. Third type of soil is soil with weeds. And the weeds represent a preoccupied mind. You know, God's Word comes into my heart and mind, and then the worries of life, business, work, money, relationships, the worries come in and they choke out the Word. Yeah, it develops roots, but it doesn't grow to maturity and bear fruit because the, the things of the world choke out the growth because I'm preoccupied with everything. Well, what do I do about that? What's, what if that's my response to God's Word? Well, I must eliminate the distractions. Now, I'm convinced, after pastoring for 23 years, I'm convinced that the big sin that Christians face in America is not drug addiction, it's not immorality, it's not some mean, wicked, bad, nasty thing. I think the number one sin that robs Christians of fruit is we are too busy. It's just, we're just too preoccupied. That we have too many distractions. We fill our lives with things that aren't important. And then we don't have time for what's the most important. And I am convinced that you could cut out half of what you do and accomplish more. If you just took, took, took a, an axe to your schedule and cut out half of the, of the busyness in your life, you would be healthier spiritually, physically, emotionally, all the way around. But we live life at such a busy pace that we don't have time for the things that are the most important. Our life is full of distractions. It's full of weeds. Finally, there's a fourth kind of soil, and that's the soil of a willing mind. And that's the good soil, where the seed of truth falls in the soil. It puts down deep roots. It gets all the nourishment it needs. It grows to, to maturity and begins to bear fruit. Now, that's the, the kind of soil that cooperates with what God said. And that leads us to the fifth way that I integrate God's Word into my life. Uh, I must act on it. Uh, it's our fifth memory verse out of James 1.22. He says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, if I just go to church and listen to the sermon, and I don't act on it, then I'm deceiving myself. You know, if I pick up the Bible and, and I read the Word and it goes in one eye and out the other, uh, I'm deceiving myself. I can even study the Bible and write down things. But if I don't do what it says, I'm deceiving myself. You know, it's got to flow. I only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. And we've spent six weeks in this study teaching you how to make personal application of God's Word. We've talked to you about how to picture it, how to visualize the scene in your mind, how to pronounce it, how to emphasize each word so that you can wring all the truth out of the verse. We taught you how to paraphrase it, and how to write it down in your own words so that you, you can disentangle the thoughts. Uh, we taught you how to personalize it, to stick your name in there so that you own the truth of that verse. 
We've taught you how to probe it with the space text questions. And then how to pray it. Just pray the verse back to God. And all these ways we talked about in our small group, but they all come down to the harsh reality that I must apply the Word to my life. I must actually be a doer of the Word. And that leads to the sixth way that I integrate God's Word into my life. And that is, I trust in it. Now, why can I trust the Bible? Because the Bible is trustworthy. God will never steer me wrong with His Word. Other people will. Even well-meaning people will. I've had good, dear, godly friends give me bad advice. You have too. You've had good, godly friends give you bad advice. Even well-meaning people can steer you wrong. But God will never steer you wrong with His Word. Never. You can trust Him to guide you in the best way. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God promises. He says, my word is going to show you where you need to go next, where you need to take your next step. It's a light. Have you ever been in the dark? Some of you right now, you're in the dark. You're thinking, I don't have the slightest idea what I'm supposed to do in this relationship. I don't have the slightest idea what I'm supposed to do about this job offer. I don't have the slightest idea where I'm supposed to invest next. I don't have the slightest idea what I'm supposed to do with the next five years of my life. I know I'm just confused and in the dark. What do you do when you're in the dark? You turn on the light. You take this verse and you claim it. You say, God, you have promised me that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God, I am going to dig into your word and I'm asking you to turn on the light to show me what I need to do next. And you claim that promise and you pour yourself into God's Word. And folks, amazing, amazing things will happen when you do that. Because God has promised. And we just need to claim it. So the next time you don't know which way to turn, open your heart and mind to God's Word and let amazing things happen. Now, I want to challenge you as we come into the last week of this 40 Days in the Word campaign. I want to challenge you to keep on doing what you've been doing. Don't stop. You know, Jesus said, if you continue in my Word. It's not if you do it for 40 days and then quit. And so I want to encourage you, stay in a small group. I want to encourage you, keep doing your daily devotion. You know, keep reading your Bible every day. And I know some of you, you've been going through this, and you haven't been able to do this every day. And so now you're behind and you're thinking, okay, I'm glad this is over because I failed at this. No, don't give up. Just stay the course with wherever you are. You've been able to do this one or two or three days a week. Good for you. Continue with that and build on it. Finish the course. Don't give up. We're going to be uh, moving out of this series into a new sermon series. In fact, in your worship folder, there's a little thing that looks like this. Just take this out. And next week, we're going to start a five-part series on marriage. It's called From This Day Forward. And we're going to look at the five commitments that people need to make in order to fail-proof their marriage. And I am really excited about this series. In fact, I'm more excited about this series than I've been about a series in a long time. And and I want to encourage you to use this as a reminder for you to be here, but also use it as an invitation. 
to invite people to come. And, and with this series, we're not just going to be talking to married people. I want you to encourage people who are single, who, who aren't married yet, to come to this, because uh, this is going to be preventive. This is going to be instructional for those who haven't gotten married yet. We're going to help them prevent some of the major mistakes that people make when they get married. It's going to be preventative for those who are single. It's, it's going to be instructive for those of us who are already married. Uh, it's going to be corrective for some of us who've got real issues in our marriages. But this is going to be a good series. But what we're doing with this series is we're building on the skill sets that you've learned during 40 Days in the Word. Uh, each week, you're going to get a set of pocket-over notes that come with the sermon notes. And so you can talk it over with your spouse or with your family or with your small group or with friends at work or wherever. And then we're going to have daily devotionals that you can read every day. And then we're also going to encourage you to use the, the six methods that you've learned in the 40 Days in the Word study uh, with your daily devotions in order to sink those words deep into your heart. So we're not going to stop doing the 40 Days in the Word process. We're going to continue to do it. Because if you continue in God's Word, that's what makes you a disciple. That will change the character of your life. You will become a man or a woman of the Word. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for your Word. I thank you that it calms our fears, that it clears our minds, that it strengthens our will, that, that it leads us in the dark. And God, I would pray that you would help us to increase our desire. That indeed, the most important thing in our life would be to build your word into our lives. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Now, I'd encourage you just to open up your heart. Make it that good soil that is receptive to receiving the word, to receiving the work of Christ, the forgiveness that he offers you through his death on the cross the new life that can be yours as you trust in Him. Open your heart and life to receive what He has for you so that you can develop spiritual roots and bear spiritual fruit. God, we thank you for the promises in your word. In Jesus' name.